Calls them like I see them, alright? Look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick, you work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for the rundown. Welcome to the main event. It is episode 310 of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Troy. And with me is your other host, Jason. Not Jason Jordan, just no. Jason. No, not my black son. Sort of like just Joe, just Jason. That's right. It's just Jason. Yeah, that guy had that guy had a, a tremendous career. Yes. Hall of Famer, that's for sure. <laughs> so how about we talk a little... Uh, News within the rundown before we uh, get into the meat of the show and the week that was in the world of professional wrestling. Um, for those of you who've been following us for a long time, and I guess before I get to that, let me give you the normal spiel. If you look over to the right-hand side of your screen on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, feel free to sign in, hit the chat box, and uh, share your thoughts and opinions because this will officially be the last week you will get to do so. Ladies and gentlemen, we have decided, uh, due to scheduling issues, just availability, things of that nature, to give us a little more flexibility, uh, we are going to abandon the YouTube live portion of our show. We're still going to deliver the Rundown podcast to iTunes and all your podcasting apps every week, hopefully, um, but to be able to schedule everything to be live at certain times every week is just becoming a little bit uh, difficult given everybody's real life and uh, real world stuff. So at least for the time being, we are going to abandon the YouTube live chat every week. But rest assured, you will still be able to listen to the dulcet tones of Troy and myself and whomever else comes aboard uh, every week just by downloading, subscribing, and listening on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. That's right. That's right. So uh, I blame you, Mike Smathers. If you were here more, maybe we'd make a little more effort. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's talk about this week in wrestling. And we have a segment uh, now. Oh, that's right, we do. It's true. It's time, ladies and gentlemen, for the perfect 10. The perfect 10. A 10. A 10. A fucking 10. My black son. Got to face off against John Cena in the opening match of Raw because he earned it. He earned it. So <laughs> he he lost to Battle Royal and he lost to Finn Balor, which means he gets a chance to take on the 16-time world champion John Cena. 
Yeah, I mean, this was quite, quite clearly what we've come to know as the Cena test. If you got a guy, if Vince wants to know if a guy has it, he puts him in the ring with Cena and lets Cena kind of give him some feedback. Uh, we've seen that work to the detriment of some people. We've seen it work to the success for some people. Um, I, for, for my eye test, I thought Jason Jordan did really well in that match. There were a couple of moments where I was like, yeah, but... By and large, overall, I thought he did a good job. I thought the, that when he went for his finisher there and Cena kind of rolled over, it looked a little botchy to me. I don't know if that was the plan, but um, other than that, I thought I, I, they had a really good, solid effort. I, I was impressed with what Jason Jordan brought to the table. Uh, I'd have liked to see for the crowd to get into it, maybe a few more really close near falls, false finishes, stuff like that. Um, but all in all, I'm, Jason Jordan should be proud of his effort that night. In terms of uh, my black son's in-ring work, it's never really been a question. He's he's always been a, a very good worker. He's he's gotten uh, exponentially better over over this past couple of months here. Um, but the the biggest thing with Jason Jordan is he, he right now lacks some of the promo skills, and that's not really his fault because he hasn't really had the opportunity to even cut many promos on NXT because he was kind of sparingly used and kind of sometimes used sometimes not used so that'll come a time too but uh i mean the kid's got an, an amazing look mm. you know the, he's got a great physique uh and if you watch the uh um nxt if you listen to nxt revisited or, or watch the old ones he's a blue chipper <laughs> so yeah so i think so and that match uh segued us over to the fact that roman reigns has got a big dick but no balls now i gotta say I enjoyed the shit out of this um, for a lot of reasons. And I think we kind of said last week it looked like Roman got sort of outshined by Cena. And this week I thought Roman was much more prepared. For example, and you, you sort of touched on it there, when Cena points out that he came out with his fly open, no no wasted motion, reigns right to, it's not open, I busted it. Big dog. And the fact that we can now use big dog as a euphemism for I got a giant cock is something I'm going to run with in real life. So oh, there you go. I thank Roman Reigns for that quite a bit. Uh, of course, then we got into the, uh, oh, I was looking for your balls. Oh, well, you should definitely, you would, of course, you'd be looking for that. You know, that kind of stuff that we're just mm -hmm. kind of used to seeing. But the back and forth promo was great and we said and I, or at least I said last week I had a feeling that this week you would see kind of Roman be the the victor and I think that's how it played out when he basically said to Cena alright fine you want to run your mouth I don't want to run my mouth let's fight and Cena kind of backed off it's amazing how last week you know we, we both agreed that if they if they do talkie talkie battles Cena's going to win it but if they do wrestling Roman, that's that's his forte, and that's always mm -hmm. been that. That's been the way that they've pushed him now lately. Is Roman doesn't doesn't talk as much, mm -hmm. and and it, I'm glad that they finally figured out that he shouldn't, mm -hmm. because his character at this point should be, fuck this, I'm gonna do my talking with my fist, right. and I'm gonna fist the fuck out of your face. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, go. I mean, this they they're doing a good job on building this. Um, I'm I'm interested to see this match. And they have also they're also doing a very good job of keeping these two guys apart while still having them interact with each other. 
Yeah, the physicality, the not touching, that's, I'm 100% in favor of that. I think just building more suspense. Again, we have a situation where we've never seen this before. This is special, and this is why I get on them when they take things away that could be special and give them away for no reason, um, as they did on SmackDown, but we'll get to that later. Um, but yeah, all, all in all, I, I'm as excited for this match at No Mercy than I was for any match at WrestleMania or SummerSlam. So... That should tell you something. This is, I don't know if it's the return of football, and this is kind of their way of combating that with a major never-before-seen kind of angle. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do on Monday night, first time up this season against Monday Night Football. Uh, but all in all, I'm enjoying the shit out of this build. Yeah, I also didn't realize that, uh, were they in Nebraska? I think they were in Nebraska. I didn't realize Nebraska loved John Cena so much. Because that was probably the most face pop he's gotten in a long time <laughs> because there was very very few boo- boos in that audience so well, i don't know if it's just because they realized that putting john cena against roman reigns i guess we got a cheaper one of them <laughs> or or what but um yeah i think that uh um they've they've built roman reigns into a very gray area um shades of great character and you know john cena continues to be john cena so, yeah, I don't good. think either one of them has changed their character at all in this build. That's why I find it sort of fascinating to see how the crowd reacts as we go forward in, in this build and, and get to the big match that night, um, which is sort of shaping up to look like the main event of this show, even though we've got a Brock Lesnar title defense. Um, Positioning-wise, I'm curious to see what they do with it that night. I have two, because I can I could definitely see this being... Uh, main event. I'm not. I'm not going to compare Roman Reigns to The Rock, but this does feel a little bit like Cena Rock, where you had two guys who are essentially it, faces, and you know The Rock was kind of playing up some heel things, but he was still The Rock, so people cheered him. Whereas Roman is, you know, kind of on paper supposed to be a bit of a face, but obviously, you know, like I said, he's <laughs> he's much more. He's he's not quite a tweener, but he's this kind of new new era of superstar where his his character isn't defined by I'm a good guy or a bad guy. His character is defined by his actions and his attitude and things like that. And, and I, I'm for one, I'm, I'm happy with it because, um, this trying to fit him into a mold that he doesn't fit into wasn't working. And this is working because I'm, I'm much more interested in what's going on with Roman Reigns now Mm. that they've, they've taken off the shackles of him a little bit. Yeah, and, and I see the comparison. I've heard other people make it too. I mean, it's it's sort of a faulty comparison only because you look at every element that went into the Rock scene, and, and one of the big ones, of course, being that the Rock hadn't wrestled in, what, seven years or something at that mm-hmm. point. So there was that built-in antsiness to see him back in the ring and in a, in a wrestling capacity. Uh, we don't have that with Roman because he wrestles all the time, so that's not there. And Roman's not the mic worker or have the charisma that The Rock does. So there's a lot of areas. I mean, it's Cena versus a Samoan guy, so I guess it's similar in that regard. But uh, it doesn't have the year build. I mean, there are just so many elements that went into Cena and Rock that made that special that are just not here. But I get get kind of where you're going with that. Yeah, it's not it's not about um about about like the different things you said. It's more along the lines of, you know, how they're positioning both characters as well as you know the fact that you know it it's it is a little bit of a role reversal though from that one because Cena was more of the I can beat you in the ring and 
you know, The Rock obviously is one of the greatest of all times on the mic. So, right. um, but you know, so it's it's nice to see that kind of like a new transition. And this is going to be, I think, a really good torch passing if they decide to go that route, because mm-hmm. Roman can take a loss to Cena and be fine. Yeah. So this is one of those those matches where this could go either way because right. Roman beating Cena, he's probably going to be in the exact same position he was. Cena being Roman, same position he was before too. So, but it's the fact that this is, uh, um, we don't know what's going to happen in mm-hmm. it. And the fact that, that this has been entertaining, that is, is what makes me excited for it. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to seeing it. And like the, the one thing I will say with the comparison to, to the rock Cena thing is, this wouldn't shock me if this is a multi-time event, if we have more than one match, if this is the lead-in and then the rematch is at WrestleMania or something of that to mm-hmm. that extent. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, going from big dogs to big cats, it's time for Sasha Banks. And poor little Sasha, she was just about to get what, what was coming to her and, and get her rematch. And then, of course... Nia Jax and Emma both requested a title shot. And because of the fact that Kurt Angle can be easily swayed, <laughs> he concocted a Vince Rusko-esque <laughs> match to determine, to Rusko? determine what was good. I meant to say Russo. A Vince <laughs> Russo-esque match to determine who was going to face Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship. So it was Nia Jax and Emma versus shots jeez man i'm not even drunk <laughs> sasha and alexa and if nia Jax or emma won this would be a four-way not in like the thing i dream about most nights four-way but in a, a a four-way dance for the championship and whoops emma and nia Jax won so first of all we had this weirdness where nia Jax was not given a title shot even though she kind of looked like she was going to get it, and then suddenly now, oh, wait, no, you are. She is. Well, during this match, i got to say, I went full big dog. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so basically the the premise behind this was Sasha has a contractually obligated rematch, but Nia held the belt up. So obviously she should get that shot instead. And, oh, yeah, Emma won a hashtag match. So, yeah, that should definitely override a contractually obligated rematch. Um, sure. Yeah, the whole thing was, was kind of stupid. Uh, to me, this is basically just a vehicle to have Emma in there so she can take the pinfall uh, and the other three don't have to. Uh, I, I see no title change here. I see nothing that's standing out. I don't really understand, honestly, if Sasha's not going to win, why she's even in this match at this point. The character, I love Sasha. I, I'm unabashed Sasha Banks fan, but at this point, that character, there, there's nothing left there. They've they've stripped away anything that made it unique or special or uh, credible with the way they've booked her. Do you have uh, anything in the news about the four horsewomen? Uh, I did not. No. Okay, let me pivot on this a little bit then, sure. because um, part of part of the rumor that we've been getting is that. Because we're building up this four horsewomen of NXT versus four horsewomen of UFC, it sounds as if Sasha's going to be removed from the title picture. So mm-hmm. it definitely does appear that she's not going to win this match. So you do feel like, um, why bother? 
um, why wouldn't we have just had Sasha have her rematch on Raw right. and lose? And then you can move on from there if you're going to do this. Because otherwise, you're just throwing well, Sasha out there again to lose another title opportunity. Yeah, and they actually built a little bit towards the horsewomen versus horsewomen angle this week with an exclusive kind of face-to-face uh, involving all of them except Shayna Baszler and Sasha Banks. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, in terms of that angle, first off, do we think they're going to rush it and, and get it in for Survivor Series at this point, sort of set up a four-on-four? Four? Um, because that would explain why we're seeing you know, all the, all the four horsewomen basically being left out of any angles or storylines or championship situations uh, and leaving sort of the lesser competitors fighting for championships. Um, but if that's the case, I have serious concerns that this match is going to be one of the most anticipated in history and probably one of the most to not live up to expectations. You're looking at Shayna Baszler is a tremendous in-ring competitor, and we'll talk about the Mae Young Classic in a little bit, but Ronda Rousey's not a wrestler. She's she's taken some classes, but she's still relatively early in this. She's greener than goose shit right now in terms of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Maria Shafir, I, she's married to Roddy, so, I mean, maybe she's picked up some of it, but, again, not not fully trained as far as I know. And Jessamine Duke, as far as I know, has no training at all. So you're talking about four of the best female wrestlers in the world. And you're putting them in there with three out of four girls who, as far as we know, don't really know how to work. So I don't know how good that match could conceivably be. Right. So you, you have to figure that, um, it would be one where, where Shayna would have to do the majority of the work just to get, this right. match to actually look halfway decent because yep. yeah i mean we know ronda rousey can do some judo takedowns um but can she sell can she take a bump right. we don't fucking know um Jessam duke same fucking question on that now um you know the other one i forgot her name off the top of my head marina shafir uh, she, yeah shafir um she has had a couple of matches so but okay she yeah far far too new to try mm-hmm. to go up against four of the of the most tenured and you know women's wrestlers around who are also incredibly good too so um it's the when when they had the the dude who plays arrow in a match they had to make it a tag team match because they knew there's no way that this guy can handle it right you can't put four people with like a year of wrestling in between the four of them against against four of the best women ever well i guess we'll find out how match. good the uh the, the nxt four horsewomen actually are if they can pull a good match out of them that is true that is true um i yeah i think i'm i'm with you on that survivor series obviously would make the most sense just considering the the match type of it you could do an elimination match on it but um yeah i mean just do we uh, can you really build up for a year on this because i feel like you'd have to have You'd have to have the rest of them get into matches at some point in time just to kind of pro- progress the storylines on things. So, I don't know. I guess I guess we'll find out. We'll sit back and watch, but that that that's the only real excuse I can I can make for none of these four horsewomen of NXT as it were being involved in the main picture because the women's division on both brands is really suffering, I think as a result of it. Yeah, I mean Alexa is great, but you know, Nia Jax can't really talk and emma alexa's isn't... great as a character we're not getting yeah. any five star in rings from her let's right, be honest right. that's what that's what i'm saying is as a character alexa can can talk her way 
through most feuds. Right. Um, Nia Jax cannot. And <laughs> they have no fucking plans for Emma going forward here. Uh, this this woman has uh, be, become Alicia Fox at this point. They're they're gonna they're gonna trot her out there when when they can because she's attractive and people like her, but there's no way she's getting a push for the title. So, well, this is I I, I read a stat. This is her first pay per view match since 2014. Oh my gosh! So you do the math on that one. <laughs> yeah. Although I was I was very happy to see her show up on, on NXT the most recent episode, <laughs> and and as I said in there, she was very smart because she positioned herself to be right center on camera. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, because they they if if you had, had watched the episode, they put the the you know the title belt on one of those little pedestals right up yeah. like that, and they trot the entire NXT ro- T roster out there, and she made sure to stand right behind the belt. Because she knew that camera's going to be looking at that belt. It's going to be looking at me, too. <laughs> and mind you, she has not shown up and in an actual match yet. So it was a nice way to kind of be like, oh, who's that? And of course, she's wearing a nice low-cut dress and everything like that. So, and, and, and when and, Troy and, says and, NXT this week, he's talking about his NXT Revisited series, not the actual live broadcast of NXT oh, this week, just yes, to avoid course, confusion. Because, yeah, because nobody watches that. No, go, go back and watch. I think it's August 27th. It's episode 132 is the most recent one that we did for episode 11 of NXT Revisited. I say we, but it was me. Uh, <laughs> Which I enjoyed uh, very much, by the way. Nice to have oh, thank it. You. Nice to have it back in the rotation. Thank you. Thank you. I do not have any backlog of episodes, so uh, I hope that I can work up a couple of them. But it's it's very difficult with my life the way it is now. But we'll we'll get there because I still have to do glow stick too. So. Um, but yeah, that's that's nice plug for for some of my shows. <laughs> <sighs> All right, so moving on, uh, let's let's keep it on the women. Uh, let's talk about the May Young Nung tournament. Big dog, and, yeah, big dog, and it all the way through <laughs> this one. So this could uh, be a recurring I mean, theme, just so you know. Oh, for sure. This I I assume this episode is going to be called Big Dog. <laughs> uh, so the May Young tournament is down to the finals, and uh, obviously. Uh, both of us knew who was going to be in the finals yes. uh, of this uh, because this was pre-tape. But well, also uh, and because you told us all. That's so. true. Because I'm an asshole. <laughs> uh, the, on the twelfth, we will get the actual uh, May Young finals, and I believe it's live, right? Uh, yes, it is. It'll be live. Interestingly enough, apparently they are doing 205 live on Tuesday night as well. So I don't know if it's going to occur before or after 205 live, but that's going to be a real dead audience by the end of that show. So I sort of hope for the women's sake they go on after SmackDown. I would tape 205 Live first that night maybe, but mm-hmm. if you're talking about SmackDown ends at 8, it's on the West Coast, but still, your East Coast audience, SmackDown ends at 10, you get an hour of 205 Live, now you're at 11, and probably another hour special. It's going to get real tough to, to keep a crowd, uh, even granted that it's a streaming service, but I, I, I got to think there's got to be some sort of contingency plan to move maybe 205 Live after the women because nobody cares about 205 Live anyway. That's true. That's very true. Now, have you uh, have you caught up and watched all the episodes yet? Or <laughs> Fuck no. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll get there. I'm getting there. I, f- I, finished it's, them it's... T- I finished them today, so I'm up to current. So 
All right. Uh, but uh, since but yes. I don't have to worry about spoilers with you. And by the way, we are I am going to get a little spoiler right here. So if you have not seen the rest of the Mae Young Classic episodes, you might want to fast forward a little bit through the podcast here uh, as we are going to talk about some of the results and some of the competitors. Um, I know you haven't seen it, obviously, but I can tell you for me, there have been several standouts, several women that I've looked at and said, this this person needs to be signed. This person needs to be a regular fixture in the women's division uh, of NXT or even one of the main shows. Um, some of them, particular Tony Storm, absolutely mm-hmm. should be signed. This woman is electric personality in ring. She's got the looks. I don't know what they're growing over in fucking Australia with hot fucking female wrestlers. Uh, 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 New Zealand. Uh, Tony Storm's Australian, I believe. <laughs> I think uh, you're no, thinking of Dakota no. Kai. Dakota Kai is not mm, New Zealand. No, build from Australia. Okay, totally from New Zealand. Okay, either way. So, <laughs> whatever. That corner of the world. Um, yes. But yeah, so she she really stood out for me. Um, there was another woman, uh, Rhea Ripley, I believe. Um, Really yep. stood out for me, very young, 20-year-old woman, but she looked very polished in the ring. I thought she put on very good matches. Um, mm-hmm. Shayna Baszler is my first. I've seen her, a couple clips of her here and there. It's my first time to really watch her uh, in a format that was you know, long form. Um, Mercedes Martinez has just been excellent. I've known her and known of her and, and you know, we're known people who've worked with her. Uh, yeah. So I had no surprise that she was tremendous. Her match in the semifinals with... Um, Shayna Baszler was really hard-hitting, excellent, everything you could possibly ask for. Uh, Candice LeRae made a great showing for herself. Uh, Mia Yim did a good job. Uh, there were some women who did not do such a good job. Uh, I'm looking at you, uh, Marty Bell. I'm looking at you, Aisha Raymond. I'm looking at... Now, uh, Piper Nevin also was great, too. Uh, she played the powerhouse role excellently. Um uh, you're forgetting. You're forgetting about one of my favorites, Jesse Gabbert. Yeah, Jesse. I thought I mentioned her, but yeah, she was tremendous too. I, I think she definitely has a future somewhere in the roster as as the monster that I think they want Nia Jax to be, but it just hasn't hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, to me, the biggest problem I've had with it, well, there, there have been a few problems. One, and I think I mentioned this last week. Nobody's working heel in this, really. There are a couple of girls that are that are portraying themselves as having an edge. Uh, Mercedes did a lot of that. Um, Shane has done a ton of that, but nobody's working the matches heel. It's basically just you know good old fashioned competition, which is fine. But I think those are aided when somebody's you know very clearly a face, very clearly a heel. Mm-hmm. Um, very little action in the early rounds on the outside. That picked up in those later rounds, which which those of you who are haven't yet to watch it will see as that goes on. Um, I I gotta tell you, I was very excited. I had seen. Kyrie Hojo, Kyrie Sane, a few times in bits and pieces here and there. And I was very excited for her. But having watched this, I am not sure I'm sold on her. And mm. she may end up winning it. She may end up winning the NXT Champion, Women's Championship. I don't know. But people compared her a lot to Asuka. And she's a lot smaller. She's not the physical force that Asuka is. Um, but she like the pirate gimmick to me is is sort of hokey sort of takes away from her um she takes a lot of of punishment in her matches which is fine she Mm -hmm. sells well but um just 
like a 95 pound woman doing a spear just doesn't sell for me. Like I, I can't rationalize that as being an impactful move. Uh, the dive bomb elbow is okay. I think her second round match, she basically completely missed the girl and came down ass on her face almost. I'm okay uh, with that. <laughs> but yeah, I I haven't been overly impressed with Kyrie Sane yet, and I hope I hope I am in the finals. I hope her and Baszler go out and tear it up. Um, but I for all the build, for all the hype, for all the you know this is the girl, this is the next thing. Uh, I have haven't seen it yet. Hmm. You know, people compare Kyrie Sane uh, to Asuka the same way that they compare Roman Reigns to The Rock, just because of where they're from. So, wait, um, didn't you just do no. that earlier? Is it okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I I feel like um, Kyrie is getting a little bit of that uh, uh, ocean spray from the Cruiser Classic, where you know. Um, not Ocean Spray. Which one was that? Zack Saber Jr. Sorry, Zack Saber Jr. <laughs> where he was the. I, I always get him and fucking Ocean Spray mixed up in my head. You mean yeah, Osprey? Uh, Zach, yes. Okay. So I'm, I'm gonna keep calling him Ocean Spray because that's a, okay. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Um, I would just like to clarify for those people who didn't get the joke. Well, yes, the the joke is yes that his name is Osprey, but it sounds like Ocean Spray. Um, the drink, not not the phenomenon that happens in the ocean. Uh. Yeah, so I think that she's getting a little bit of the Zack Sabre Jr. aspect of it, where like this was a guy that everyone's like, he's going to be fucking awesome, he's going to be so great. And then having to change his style, you know, and to a little bit to accommodate the other guys and, and the WWE style of things, uh, and the fact that he, you know, was essentially a limp dick through the whole thing. Uh, Kyrie, I think, has a lot of room to grow, and I think that it's going to take her a little bit more to come over to the WWE style of things, but I think she'll be fine because I think she's very talented. Um, you know, Shayna Baszler should be, uh, should be a star as well. Um, and you know, this, this, uh, this tournament here has really done wonders, you know, much like NXT has done great things for a lot of the independent men. And you, we saw a lot of guys, you know, that we never thought we'd see in WWE, like, you know, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and guys like that. Now we're starting to see some women who we never thought we'd seen, you know, because the the whole, it was always kind of a knock that, you know, tatted up women weren't going to get into the WWE. And then you've got got Mercedes Martinez, who's got sleeves on both arms. Mm -hmm. You've got, you know, Ruby Riot, who's, Mm -hmm. who's tatted up, you know, it's starting to kind of break through that barrier where, oh, it's not just girls who, you know, are completely unmarked or, or, you know, are just gorgeous bombshells and stuff like that. It's women that, hey, you know, they've got, they've got these different aspects that before we never thought we'd see in the WWE that are now kind of coming over. Um, Oh, and on that note, uh, just another name that I uh, don't want to overlook because I did forget to mention her and she is a local talent. Uh, from the area, Kimberly Abby Lace, uh, also another great mm-hmm. accounting for herself in this tournament. Also another tattooed girl who doesn't fit your normal mold of a WWE girl. So I just wanted to throw a shout out to her too. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Kimber, sorry, a- Abby Lace is another one of those ones where, you know, yes, she's she's incredibly fit. You know, she's uh, she is an attractive woman. <laughs> okay, you haven't watched the uh, May Young Classic yet. Okay. I, I the last time I saw her, she was in good shape. Um, oh, she's still she still puts me to shame, but compared to some of yeah. the other girls, she's you know if you were to look at her, the, I have no problem. I think she's gorgeous. I think she's in great shape. 
Mm. But I can see Kevin Dunn and Vince McMahon back there just ripping her apart. So right. Plus, she also she also doesn't have that like, oh my god, this woman is so beautiful type of face. She's attractive, mm-hmm. uh, but she's I think a little bit more kind of your down to earth attractive, you know. Um, whereas you know she's going to kind of stick out a little bit when you've got people like Alexa Bliss standing next to her who is gorgeous in the face, right? You know. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good thing too, is, you know, we're starting to get a lot of these different things and, you know, even, uh, women like Jazzy Gabbard, who I've been a fan of for a long time, back when she was alpha female, you know, she's definitely not the type that you would typically see. And if you would see somebody like her, you know, or they would typically be either like a joke or like Tamina Stuka, uh, but she instead is treated as she should be as this is a, a, a woman who Yes, she's beautiful, but she also is incredibly fucking dangerous because mm-hmm. she's strong as hell. Right. You know? And that's and that's what all we've really been asking for, you know, in, in terms of the women is we want differences in versatility because right. that's what we have in the men, you know. Right. We don't have an entire locker room of Rybacks and John Cena's for the men, you mm-hmm. know. We Bray Wyatt is employed still. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, we want it to be that women can show up. Like, Asuka doesn't have a six pack abs, you know, no. like Becky Lynch does. Right. But, well, Becky doesn't show them, so you wouldn't know it if you didn't Google pictures of her. <sighs> Becky and, and Brooke, too. Now, you can we can sit there and turn around and say, oh, they should show off their abs. But at the, at the same account, we should be like, wow, they're getting over and they're doing great. Oh, Dana, not so show much. Off the, yeah, not so much. But, you know, Becky doesn't have to go out there right. and wear a, a bikini top to show off her abs just right. to get over, you know? So the fact that she doesn't is like, oh, now she's got this whole other thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that the, the tournament, you know, like I said, I haven't been able to watch it yet, but I'm incredibly in, interested in I will watch it as soon as I have time. I've just, it just pissed off that I haven't been able to. Um, but, yeah, I think this is great. I think that... Um, there was a, a good good amount of us who were kind of going into this, going, "Oh, there's there's so many many great women out there that they didn't sign for this, and who's this, and who's this?" And yes, obviously, like you said, there were some stinkers. Barty Bell, I don't even have to watch the match to know that was a fucking idiot idea to to sign her because she's never been good in my opinion. Yeah. You know, and you think of you know long standing women like you know cheerleader Melissa, mm-hmm. you know, someone who. Hey, she's she's great. Give her if she's gonna go in the first round, that's fine. Just give her a little bit of a sign you know, signed I, with Lucha Underground. I don't think she could appear. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, but there are other women out there yeah. who were available. That I think a lot of people were going, oh, what about this one? About this one, you know? And it was like, well, this is this is the people that we got. Yeah, and we should be happy that we got 32 because this was originally gonna be 16. Right. So <laughs> uh, yeah. let's just be happy about that. I get, like I said, though, I can think of a lot of women I, I think deserved a spot and would have been more deserving than some of the girls who got there. Um, one of the ones I found interesting was Bianca Belair. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't a huge fan of her in her first round match, but then she had her second round match with, oh, God, I'm blanking who it was. Was it Kyrie, maybe? It might have been Kyrie. Um, and I was a much bigger fan of her in that. I don't like the notion of the whole whipping you with my hair thing. It seems kind of yes. hokey to yes. me. But all in all, I thought she did an excellent job for herself in that tournament. Yeah. 
see and then, and then you know you can look at um you know some of the people who were attached to this um that didn't wind up showing up you know obviously nixon nixon newell getting hurt mm-hmm. that was a shame because i think she's she's a tremendous uh, uh wrestler she'll be fine when she gets back um a couple of the alternatives you know nicole matthews i i, I enjoy a lot she's a canadian wrestler uh you know diana peraza kind of know what we are we are getting in her sure um you know and and barbie hayden uh i like as well uh so you know it sucked I'd, that. I'd throw a vote out for another local talent uh, mistress belmont i thought would have been great to get an opportunity in that very much so yes um i don't know uh if if the timing would have lined up considering you know some of the, uh, the personal things yeah. that she's had but yeah that's another person i think that would have been been really good too and you know there's a lot of other people uh in in shimmer and shine as well that i thought would have been been really good too i yep. thought this um if it wasn't for uh karma being signed uh, she's in lucha again who uh karma um awesome kong no she's not in lucha i don't think she's working anywhere right now oh okay maybe japan well, i would i thought it would have been a good a good good thing to have her come back because we know as far as i know there was still that standing invitation of get your shit together and you can come back for us uh, well she did go back to tna despite. after that too though so oh that's true that might have hurt her chances yeah but marty bell was here and she was a tna uh, knockout so and it was at tna she after that when she returned she had the giant blowout with rebby sky in the locker room too so oh yeah that's true so probably not yeah not really <laughs> But uh, so, yeah, so. there was who was the Jessica Havoc? I think she had a little bit of an issue when she was supposed to get signed, but it's supposedly that's sort of all blown over at this point, and yeah, she might have been a another another entry. Yeah, and, Je- and and Jessica Havoc is another one of those people who obviously not your typical body type, right? Uh, and and one that I think most people would kind of worry of. Always oh, is, is she just going to be you know, the next Bertha Faye? But I don't think that would have happened. I think I think she. Could potentially be really good. Uh, it really sucks that Allison K is signed to GFW because uh, I think that she definitely deserves to be in the WWE instead of that shit show over there. Um, Which sort of uh, blows my mind because they call her Sienna, but they still call her finisher the AK-47. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, and then, of course, uh, uh, Cherry Bomb as well. You know, yeah. her being, what is she over there? Allison? Allie. Allie. It's but she doesn't know how to wrestle. She's not a wrestler. <laughs> what a fucking shit show, man. You're going to take one of the best oh, independent women wrestlers and be like, she doesn't know what a wrestle. We're going to talk a lot about GFW in the news <laughs> segment, just a heads up. Uh, yeah, and we could sit here probably all night and name talented females who should have and could have been involved in this tournament. But yep. of the ones we got, I think we got, I mean, we didn't even mention Shelly Martinez. She could have gotten a spot in there. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I did that one just for you. Uh, well, too bad we didn't have a sexy star there. <laughs> <laughs> she could have killed some people. Yeah. But, yeah, all in all, I, I thought that the presentation was, was great. I was a big fan, and, and it was just great to see uh, that get the stage it had. Now, my question is, they're doing the live broadcast for the finals right after SmackDown. I don't know if they're doing it live in front of the SmackDown audience or if they're doing going live from Full Sail. I have no idea. I haven't heard that yet. Um, my concern is that this the the finals may die a slow death in front of the SmackDown crowd if the 205 Live is any indication. 
Um, these are not people who bought tickets for the Mae Young Classic. They bought tickets to see John Cena and AJ Styles, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I'm curious to see how that plays out. Uh, they got a great reaction at full sale, but we've seen that with the cruiserweights, that doesn't necessarily translate. Right, and and I agree with you there. So what I'm hoping is that it's going to be live from the SmackDown taping, but they're going to be watching on the Titantron the live show in full sale. That would be ideal, I think. <laughs> we not we not take you after SmackDown to the audience from SmackDown watching full sale on the Titantron <laughs> for the live Mae Young Classic. Um, yeah, I'm I'm with you because I don't think that you can do, you cannot do that in front of a big arena crowd because it's nobody's gonna know who the fuck these people are. Not enough people are watching this on the network right. for them to go and you're going to put it after having them watch three hours of wrestling that's pre-show, you know, or dark matches including SmackDown and potentially more if you throw two five live before it. So yeah, exactly. Uh, that's not a crowd that's going to then sit there and be like, "Oh, here's two people that were out in second round facing each other. I'm totally care about this match. Where's the fucking hot dog vendor?" <laughs> so, but we'll see. We'll see. We're not sure yet where it's going to happen, but we will definitely bring you the uh, the, the follow from that next week. Not uh, right, not on so, YouTube though. Not on YouTube because fuck YouTube. <laughs> There's no money in it. Although I will say this, for those of you who do consume the product or the medium you choose to listen to the show is on YouTube, we will uh, be attempting to get the audio up there at least of the shows every week. So, yeah. Vamp one and second. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll just find a, a fun little picture. Um, I'm thrilled about that. Anyways, so uh, let's round out our, our female talk before so we can okay. get back talking talking about dicks. Sorry, big dog. Uh, Big dog in it. Speaking of big dog, the big hog uh, got dumped by Carmella. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> and then they got back together in a really creepy fashion. Yeah. This is this is cringeworthy. I loved this. But, you didn't like this? <sighs> oh, man. All um, right. Go ahead. I, I'm sorry. I still... I Ellsworth has carved out a really good niche for himself. Um. I've I've been interested in some of the stuff before. I didn't I don't want them to turn into an actual couple. I always thought this worked a lot better with Carmela like or Ellsworth thinking he had a girlfriend and Carmela always kind of being like I'm not dating you. I'm I'm with the big guy who just broke his knee. Um <laughs> but yeah, they just bought a house together. Yeah. That's a mistake. Uh <laughs> in this in this market. Um, but you know, I mean, the the one thing that Ellsworth has going for him is apparently he's got a giant uh, big dog. So uh, according to Daniel Bryan, according to Daniel Bryan, and he would know. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I just I just look at the women's usage on this. We've got a woman with a cat shirt as our champion. Oh, she had cat ears uh, on her way to the ring on SmackDown. This I week. know. I don't. This is why it's not in the perfect ten. We're not, we're not talking about it. All right. We didn't even talk. We didn't talk about it last week. We're not gonna talk about it this week. We're not gonna talk about that until after she loses that belt, because this is fucking ridiculous. She's one of the best workers they have, Troy. No, she's not. <laughs> That's what I keep hearing from everybody. No. If yeah, you know what? No. Okay. No. She's got she's a sharpshooter. She's got a shit shooter because it's fucking shit. 
Like she, she obviously learned it from the fucking rock who also couldn't do a sharpshooter, but still tried to do it. <laughs> Agreed. Uh. <laughs> See, we've already spent more time talking about fucking cat lady who farts a lot <laughs> than the fucking thing that we're actually supposed to be talking about, which is Carmela trying to get it on with a guy with no chin. <laughs> um, that's gotta, that's gotta really suck. Like if she was sitting on his face, she would just keep sliding off and like hitting him in the neck. Like she, he must just keep getting like fucking hot dabs of ass. Oh his neck. god! See, this is what we've been missing the last couple of weeks, Trey. Oh yeah. <laughs> but the, the, this is this is the problem. Was I was like, I'm gonna try to be the host. And yeah. I'm gonna try to do it like do it like Adam, where I'm gonna be all professional and not and not dive into things like Carmela's asshole touching James Ellsworth Adam's apple. <laughs> but instead, I was just like, eh, fuck it. Yeah, it, does, it didn't work for you. You you got to be you, man. I, I'm I'm gonna be me. <laughs> I have a Sal voicemail here. I got yelled at the last time I did a voicemail. Oh so. shit! I didn't even get to chime in on Carmelsworth. Yeah, I was moving on, but okay. <laughs> See, I thought it was great. I first off, I'm a, I'm unabashedly a fan of Ellsworth in this role because it's something we've never seen before: a female heel wrestler with a male kind of mouthpiece manager. Um, I mean, we birth of fate. Yeah, maybe a little bit with Whippleman. I was gonna say, but not somebody who's an actual competitor, an in-ring person who's uh, kind of put his own in-ring career on hold to kind of valet around a woman. This is the first time we've really seen that, to my recollection. Um, I don't know if I would consider him an in-ring in worker. Hey, he beat AJ Styles. <laughs> yeah, who hasn't? <laughs> uh, but in any event. Um, yeah, so they, they do this whole angle where Ellsworth throws the money in the bank case in the ring in the middle of the match like he's going to um, like he's going to cash in for her and she freaks out, basically calls him a piece of shit and dumps him in the ring. He catches up to her backstage and begs for another chance and she decides to shove her tongue down his throat. Um, you gotta wonder how Cass felt about that. But... Um, I, you know what? Here's the thing, Troy. This left me wanting to know what's next. And there's not enough of that on these shows anymore where you see something and you're like, well, where the fuck is this going? I don't get that very often. I got that from this. I enjoyed it and I'm happy for it. And, and good on them for giving them some time and, and a story and some character development. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean... Plus Big Dog. Yeah. And, and the Big Hog. So... <laughs> all right so uh i'm i'm this is me now taking the time oh shit we address. gotta save this one for last this is the best thing we have left on this list but go oh, ahead you want me to, nah, you want right. me to save you want me to save five for last yeah I was, I was gonna say that would probably be the i mean what else are we gonna end with we're gonna end with enzo all right <laughs> i'll turn it i'll turn it over okay um hey do you remember that dude who he, he kind of had the, the big beard and he would wear like the bathrobe and a lot of people liked him. They, 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 they cheered him a lot. They so much so that he won a money in the bank. Yes. That guy? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So he was Liberace, right? Yep. Yeah. So does Dolph Ziggler. And <laughs> Dolph Ziggler thought, well, I could do that. So Dolph Ziggler, uh, is just, I'm going to steal people's gimmicks guy, but it's not funny I, or okay. entertaining. Again, I enjoyed this. I'll be in the minority on this one if I need to be. Um, 
I thought when he came out dressed as Naomi and did the whole inch, I popped for that. I thought that was tremendous. Um, I'm okay with this as long as it's not a recurring thing. I think you can get maybe one more week out of this, then you've got to do something else with the character. It's got to, it's got to progress and evolve and, and turn into something. I'm okay with bitter, angry Dolph making fun of everybody else for a brief window of time. Uh, as long as it leads somewhere, I thought the segment was fairly well done, and I thought tremendously, tremendous job by Corey as as Ziggler's leaving to say, "Well, that was a disappointment," because I think that summed up a lot of people's feelings. I think that sums up Dolph Ziggler's career at this point. <laughs> That's a disappointment. Fair enough. The only thing going for Dolph Ziggler is the fact that he uh, um, fucked Amy Schumer and her giant nipples. So, or, sorry, areolas, areolas, giant areolas. <laughs> But apparently, you know, they broke up because he was too vigorous. So there you go. Uh, big dog. Not not because he had the big dog. <laughs> Maybe because he was too athletic. Uh, yeah, we'll see. You know, it's a lot of wait and see on on what's going to happen with it. And again, I mean, we talk about it a lot. It's it's very hard to get excited about anything Dolph Ziggler does at this point, um, just because of the past that he's had. And I want to. The guy is, is by all accounts, someone who should be much better. But he's a fucking this generation's Billy Gunn. You know, it's just Ooh, it's not working. That's a great comparison. I've never thought of that before. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we know what Ziggler can do in the ring. He can he can he can put on a great match. But I mean, this is kind of his ceiling at this point as mid card goon. So. <sighs> All right. What else do we got here? Um, I, I want to know who the fuck put Enzo on this list. Was that you? I had. This is the first time I opened this. You did this. I didn't do the Enzo part. Somebody else did that shit. Okay. We'll have to. Well, all right. We'll have to limit everyone else's access to this because I don't <laughs> want to talk about Enzo. Yeah, I don't <laughs> either. Although I will say this: the one thing I will say about Enzo this week is they're turning him heel. It's it's becoming very obvious that they're trying not so subtly he's cheating on a regular basis and mm-hmm. and, and to me that's a, a brilliant way to book him only because we know athletically technically he can't keep up with these cruiserweights who are by all accounts and, and by all rights the best some of the best performers in the company when they're allowed to be what they are mm-hmm. um, so they've they've built in a storyline where Enzo's sort of cheating because he can't compete with them so I think that's a very honest uh, and real kind of cool way to, to, to build this angle with him and Neville yeah, it kind of reminds me of when Crash Holly was in the Hardcore Division. Sure. Yeah. Where they're just like, I mean, he's a joke, but he's a multi-time champion now. So, <laughs> and considering you know WWE's propensity yeah. to shift titles left and right, Enzo could be a multi-time champion by the time yeah. SummerSlam rolls around you never next know. year. So you never ever know. <laughs> that is true. Um. So, I think we'll go with ten here. All right, let's do that. All right. So How, wait, wait, wait. Have we reinforced or double reinforced the podcast? Because um, before we talk about this topic, we might need to double reinforce it. I very, 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 very rarely put over something that I said in the host thread. But I was very proud of the fact that I did the math <laughs> and figured out that Big Show and Braun Strowman weigh less than men on a mission. And men on a mission were in tag team matches. So there was two other motherfuckers in the ring. Yeah, but they don't build rings like they used to, Troy. <laughs> That's true. 
uh, chi- cheap Chinese knockoffs. Yeah, the, these rings are not big dog anymore. That's uh, true. It's <laughs> not. They're 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 a Chihuahua. Definitely. Um, mm. I, I all right. Let me say this about this match, and I know I, I think I have an idea that, that you weren't a big fan of this one, um, but allow me to say this. Going into it, I was very prepared to hate everything about this. Uh, I I do hate the fact that when I was a younger fan, steel cage matches were the bloody culmination of month-long feuds, and mm-hmm. and now it's just, hey, we got nothing to do. Let's throw these guys in a cage. I hate that. I hate Hell in a Cell not having a build to it. I hate yeah. when you have a cage that needs a match instead of a match that needs a cage. Uh, I say that every year when we go into Hell in a Cell. I'll say it again in a few weeks when we start building the SmackDown Hell in a Cell and they stick fucking mm-hmm. Nakamura and, and Orton in there for no reason. Um but I will say this. I thought they did an amazing job throughout the show of building to this and making it feel special and feel important. Uh, up to and including interviewing the referee who was there when the ring collapsed, showing them reinforcing the ring, quote unquote. Um, everything they did to build into it, showing their history at various points, I thought they made this feel special. I thought they did a great job with it, and I actually found myself very much enjoying it. Uh, the match itself was good. There were little subtle intricacies, like when they went for the superplex off the top, the referee, John Cone, grabbed, was grabbing shit for dear life like he expected the ring to break again. Um, and then and then you get to that thing where, where Big Show is so willing to put Strowman over, he allows Strowman to throw a mass over tea kettle into a steel cage, which is going to now break and fall to the floor. I, I just thought everything about this worked. I, I was prepared to hate it, and instead I found myself loving it. I felt like the, the Chuck was a little bit of throwback to um, when Paul White debuted in the WWE. Sure. When he uh, chucked Stone Cold onto the side of, the, of it, that swung it out and wound up winning the match. Yeah, but he didn't throw Stone think... Cold upside down. Like To me, that, that, is that, true. that is true. if that cage doesn't give like it's properly, that 500-pound motherfucker is going straight down on his neck. Yeah, and he doesn't have a beard to cushion his blow anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's that's giving yourself up to try to get somebody over, and I have yeah. tremendous respect for show for that. Yeah, um, you know we we talk about it like you said with with Hell in a Cell. We're waiting the the couple of weeks before Hell in a Cell, where uh, inevitably someone's going to go. I'm going to get my payback, and it's going to be hell. And you're like, oh, okay, there we go. There it is. <laughs> that, that's a Hell in a Cell match. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Where it used to be that you know, oh, okay, well, both guys have have a win. Oh, they just keep fucking each other up. Oh, you know, he's hit, he's attacking him in the back. The only way that we're gonna settle this is by just you know bringing out the fucking steel cage. And this didn't even have a build to it until the show. And yes, they did a good job on the show building towards it. Um, but these guys haven't haven't interacted with each other in a couple of weeks so for them to just be like here they are in a cage match but yeah i i was happy with the match and um you know by all accounts show did a, a fantastic job of putting braun over mm-hmm. um and this also writes show off so he because apparently he he's a little injured so he's gonna go get a minor procedure done and and get himself healthy again hopefully so he can come back for a you know a retirement match but otherwise this might be the last time we see big show could be which you can you can do what you can say whatever you want about you know Big Show in the recent times, but Big Show was such a part of my childhood. Oh. 
you know, watching him on WCW as a giant, watching him as a force to be reckoned with in WWE when he first started off. Guy fell um, off a fucking building. Yes, he did. And if you want more details uh, on that, I encourage you to go back and listen two episodes ago to Nitromania here on the Rundown podcast feed mm-hmm. uh, with Adam and Henry Hugepex, the suplex star and human duplex. Yeah, make sure not to miss that because otherwise then this past episode, you are going to be very confused when Lex Luger shows up out of the blue in that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, this this is a guy who, like I said, I mean, he has had a career uh, that is Hall of Fame worthy, honestly, um, not just because of his size, but because of his accomplishments as well. Um, and also just the longevity the guys had considering, um, you know, the the pituitary disease that he had you know is is one that typically takes guys very young um if they don't take care of themselves and he's done a tremendous job of getting in shape got really cheated out of a a wrestlemania match because Shaq was too fat um and and you know now an injury might make it so that he might not want to put the time in to get himself back healthy and and get himself back in the ring but i hope he does because uh i for one want to see him be able to go out in a retirement match go out on his own own accord here because like i said i mean yeah he's had some some bad times you know yeah he, he, they've they've made him do some some bad things yeah he got really fat one time and he had to get sent to ovw but the guy is as is a legend i think in in the business not in like a mount rushmore kind of legend but in no, a he's a hall of famer one of the yeah he's a hall of famer one of the best big guys we've ever seen yeah, I mean, this fucker used to do moonsaults, for those of you who didn't see him growing up. Um, yeah, and, and the reality is, for me, it's sort of sad in a way because I feel like he's been one of the most misbooked talents uh, of a very long period of time. Yeah. I don't think they ever really booked him as the attraction he should have been and sort of booked him as just another guy. Um, mm-hmm. I think I mentioned last week yeah. there's, there's uh, websites where you can go and look at the... That yeah, it's fitting that that him and Kane were a tag team for a while, because <laughs> they are two sides of the same coin on that one as well. Because Kane was very mismanaged as well. It's true. Uh, and if you go back and there's, there's websites where you can look at the list of people who have defeated Big Show, uh, mm. and it's sort of embarrassing. It's a who's who, a who gives a shit. Aki Bono, Floyd Mayweather. I mean, just uh, guys that have and no look, business. But yeah, Floyd. Floyd Mayweather beat him worse than Floyd Mayweather beat his last girlfriend. There you go. Right. And to that end, um, show's done all of it. Show's done everything the company's asked him to do. Uh, he's been a professional about everything, and hats off to him. If this is, if this was in fact the last ride, uh, tip of the hat. That was a great last match too. If it was. All right. So, eight or nine. Uh, let's go eight. All right. Uh, I'm not going to allow you to say what you want to say on this. Um, but what I will, what I will say is... <laughs> I'm going to say it anyway. I said it last week. Say, I'll say it again. Kinshasa! Yeah. Uh, what I will say is there are there's a handful of guys that you think of when when you think of like the, the big, big signing. Okay, so Shinsuke Nakamura gets signed. And you're like, oh, the matches he's going to have. He's going to get a chance to face AJ Styles. He's going to get a chance to face John Cena. Uh, after you get through about like 15 of those guys, you think, oh, yeah, he, he also he's also going to face Randy Orton. Um, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, that, one, that might be cool. That might be a cool build. 
Uh, and then all of a sudden you get a match card where it says, oh, hey, by the way, Orton's going to face Makamura on SmackDown. And you're just like, oh, okay. No build. So we're, we're just going to have no build, no heat for this match. And we're going to take a 13-year veteran who, say what you will about him, a future Hall of Famer. 13-time World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah, and, and, and all around uh, a very good talent in the ring. You're going to have him face Shinsuke Nakamura with no storyline, uh-uh. no build, uh-uh. nothing. Uh-uh. At least... On free TV. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> At least with a lot of the other you know, SmackDown and Raw matches that we've been having where, where it should happen in the pay-per-view, at least they were like part of a storyline. Sure. This was just like, this was literally like. This was like the same thing they did with hats. Nakamura and Kevin Owens. Yeah. Same thing they did with Nakamura Which, and Cena. This is what they've yeah. done with Nakamura since he came out. Yeah, and that's the problem because what? why is it so hard for them to turn around and be like, Shinsuke Nakamura is going to face Luke Harper this week. That's fine. Mike Bennett. You get Shinsuke out there. Yeah, he's going to face Mike Bennett. We've got we've got all this undercard talent that you could have Shinsuke go over just so you can start building the guy up because obviously we don't have much of a storyline for him right now. And instead you're like, uh, who is who's the top of the card in SmackDown? Oh, Randy Orton. Uh, you're gonna face him this week, and it's just gonna be like a normal match for you guys. Now I thought the match was good. I thought they yeah. worked well together. I thought there were some really nice things. Uh, including like when Nakamura gets his head in Randy's chest and starts mocking him, and Orton just grabs him by the neck and pulls him in for the the DDT. <sighs> Vintage Orton. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was great. I thought the ending was was a good sequence. I thought everything worked in the match. I liked it, and and you know to his credit, Randy put him over clean, no problem in the middle of the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're setting up for Jinder and Nakamura again at Hell in a Cell. Uh, I don't know if that's going to end up being the match in the cell, and we'll talk about the other candidate in in just a moment. But I, you know, I, I'm not particularly thrilled about the idea of Nakamura and Singh again. Uh, Jinder, sorry, hmm. the Singh brothers at ringside. But uh, it is what it is, and hopefully, maybe this time they'll finally uh, smarten up and get the belt off Jinder. Yeah, as much uh, uh, as much as I appreciate Randy, I never want to see him in a Hell in a Cell match again. Well, because you can't really good. put Jinder in a Hell in a Cell after he just came out of the Punjabi prison, so it's gonna. That's true. It's gonna have to be that other one that we're gonna talk about in a minute. Yeah, it's gonna have to be. Oh, no, I mean, although that guy shouldn't be in another one either. But we'll talk about that when we so, get there. I don't know. Maybe the take team. Maybe the, maybe the women are gonna be in there. Maybe don't waste that. <laughs> well, you know All what? Right, Fuck so. it. Why wait to the pay per view? Just put the women in Hell in a Cell on free TV. Hey, there you go. Stop calling it free TV <laughs> because it's not. We're not. A, if it's on NBC, it's free TV. If it's on USA Network, you have to pay for cable for that. <laughs> Stupid. This the, the the economics of television have changed, as have the the way that we. I, I think you're being it. semantical there. I think you know what we mean when we say free TV. But that's I fine. know. I know exactly what you mean. You mean, oh, it's going to be on the pay-per-view, but we don't build for pay-per-views anymore because this this is the new WWE. Anyways, uh, speaking speaking of, we have a, a special pay-per-view next week. Oh, wait, never mind. It's a SmackDown. Uh, <laughs> as the tag titles, U.S. title, no women's championship will be on the line. And uh, Vincio? 
No, no, I don't think that you meant to put an O Vince, at the end of Vince. Vince is name. on the show. Yes. Vince McMahon will be on the show because uh, I guess this is the problem is that you can't help but segue into the final one, <laughs> this one, because the reason why Vince is going to be on the show is because Shane got suspended. So Well, shit, now you blew the last part. God damn it. Well, you put Vincio on there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Vince is appearing on the show. That's all you had to fucking say. We'll cover wine later. Um, all right. Yeah, no, it's definitely, to me, this, and we saw this with, what was it, the wild card special or something mm-hmm. a few months back. I think when they get into that month period where Raw has a pay-per-view and they don't, they like to put a pay-per-view quality episode on. Yeah. I appreciate that fact. Um, it's also interesting because... Raw is probably going to have a shit rating this week with Monday Night Football returning, so maybe they're trying to put all their eggs in the Tuesday Night Basket to uh, draw the ratings there. But this is definitely a loaded show. You have the Usos and the New Day for the tag titles in a stipulation match. I want to say it was, what was it, no DQ, something like that, false count anywhere, one of those deals. Uh, that's what the Usos picked, Steel Cage, I don't know, it was something. Um, Loser sucks a dick. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. But that's what they're doing this week. U.S. title, AJ Styles is going to defend against Ty Dillinger. Uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say Baron Corbin's going to get involved in that, but we'll see. Uh, Any chance I get to see Dillinger in a high-profile spot, I'm happy. And I think him and AJ are going to be really good in that match together. Uh, Of course, the women's title, we're going to have Crazy Cat Lady versus Naomi. Uh, I don't expect. But, hey. Let's not blow out the idea of a cash in there because Carmella could find herself involved. That could be a spot where they do that. Yeah, very much so. And uh, and at this point, I mean, they they like to have big moments on on these things. So that very well could be when we have the cash in, or could not. Who knows? We'll see. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting, and it's it's funny too that. If this doesn't beat Raw in the ratings, cancel the show because <laughs> nobody's watching. Nobody's going to be fucking watching Monday Night Raw when you've got got there's there's too many cross fans of both. You know, football fans and wrestling fans are you know a lot of people who are football wrestling fans are also football fans because you know they like big sweaty men. Johnny Johnny Knockout. Yes, I know for sure. He's a, a big football fan. Uh, loves the position of the tight end. <laughs> well, speaking of, I, I, there's no real good segue to this, but uh, we have a return of the voicemail segment featuring our good buddy Sal, who is too busy watching the Patriots game to appear on the show tonight. So, start. Oh, he's he's definitely big dog in it. Let's uh, start uh, off with a big mighty fuck you to Sal for not joining us on the show this week, and uh, let's listen to the voicemail. Oh, I wanted to finish my thought. Because oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought you were done. I'm, I'm, giving, I'm giving a mighty fuck you to Sal and Adam preemptively. Okay. Because it's not my fault. It's the fucking Google voicemail uh, app that only lets you play these things through the Google, Google voicemail app, which is super fucking quiet. So I apologize. But this is going to be probably as loud as it's going to get. So with that, here you go. What's up, Rundown? It's... Sal calling this week to talk to you about something that caught my interest on WWE SmackDown. Before I do, I don't want to forget to mention that somebody should probably change the voicemail greeting. Uh, it's still Adam, and it still talks about the Seth penalty. Nevertheless, SmackDown Live this week furthered the storyline with Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon. And I would like to give them credit because Kevin Owens 
pretty much single-handedly raised a lot of people's interest in this program. You know, going into this program, nobody really wanted to see Kevin Owens versus Shane. I did. Other than the fact that Shane was probably going to fall off something tall. But Kevin Owens' performance last night on SmackDown was amazing. His promo work, um, the, the, him pushing Shane uh, to the point of Shane snapping. And then Kevin Owens continued in the back where he's like, I'm going to sue you. I'm going to sue the whole WWE. Uh, further on down the line, Shane comes out and says, your father called me. And the whole crowd's like, ooh. And you're suspended indefinitely. Perfect. I think it's perfect. I think when those two finally do have a match, whether it's a hell of a cell or if they want to wait a little bit, they can wait because uh, having the storyline, quote-unquote, suspend Shane uh, gives them as much time as they want. Anytime they want to actually do the match, it's going to be huge. And uh, Kevin Owens is amazing. You know, nobody really wanted to see Kevin Owens work with Shane McMahon. He's got much bigger and better things ahead of him. But I did. Every time Kevin Owens is given something, he makes it worthwhile. Talk to you guys later. Allow me to first say, Sal, if you dislike the greeting on the voicemail, feel free to change it and, you know, contribute something. <laughs> Other than criticism. Yeah, so. yeah. um, also, he, he missed the, the best part of that, of this entire thing, and that was when Owen said, that Shane's family would be better off if he would have died. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I enjoyed that Shane came out and totally forgot his line. Uh, but absolute pro that he is, Kevin Owens goes off mic and kind of nudges him in the right direction. Uh, sort of saves the segment. Tremendous. Excellent job. Now, people have compared this to the Undertaker bit where it sort of comes out of nowhere with Shane and, and some top guy. But really, this is different because with the Undertaker, it sort of came up. There was an issue with Shane and Vince, and then all of a sudden... Vince, who's a heel, is using The Undertaker, who's a face. Like, that never made any sense. This is a case where the heel uh, CEO or heel general manager, whatever the fuck he is at this point, uh, face face general manager, gets into it with one of the top heel talents, and the heel talent pushes him and pushes him and pushes him and pushes him week after week after week after week until finally he crosses that line and he brings the guy's family into it and he can't take it anymore and he snaps and Shane just assaults him brutally and to the point, and this was a great touch, I thought, Daniel Bryan coming out and trying to pull him off and freaking him out, freaking out, what are you doing? And I, I thought this was constructed, the segment later where, where Daniel Bryan calls him out, I thought was constructed beautifully. The end segment where Kevin Owens is all cocky and then is told Vince is coming. I thought everything they did with these guys on the show this week fucking worked. And I don't know how you can say that this hasn't been building. This has been building since a superstar shakeup when Shane made a trade not for Owens, but for the United States Championship. Yeah. And Owens was just kind of attached to it. And the two, these two have, you know, kind of been back and forth. And obviously, if you watch our Dearly Departed Talking Smack, you would know that Owens and Shane have had run-ins on there as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the so, other part of it was even in the, it's a segment with Shane, he referenced Triple H basically handing Kevin Owens the title, which is officially mm-hmm. more follow-up on that angle than we ever got on Raw. So That is true. You were talking before about, you know, contractually obligated rematches, but yet apparently Paul Heyman is really good at negotiating that out of contracts because nobody has ever gotten another shot 
at the United the Universal Championship after losing it. So exactly, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, it's you know Sal said numerous times nobody wanted to see Shane and Owens. I did because I think this is going to be a great match. I do. Yeah. Um, I I did before we even got this, and this is just making it even hotter because yeah, Owens Owens can do great work, and Shane is so likable as a dude that him that Owens attacking a guy who who literally had his three children watch him almost die is there's just so much fodder for it and Shane's been in the in the company for so long and he's done so much that Owens just has numerous different ways that he can go with this this yeah. whole you know with attacking Shane and everything like that and Shane has a legitimate beef against Owens too yep 100% no, I'm all in on this. I think this is going to be great. We'll see if it ends up being in Hell in a Cell. I would hope not in a way because after Shane and The Undertaker, I don't know how you top Shane jumping off the top of the cage. Um, maybe a moonsault. I don't know, but I don't think I want to see it, whatever it is. So going to die. <laughs> but, yeah, and Owen's style is much more in line with being able to pull a good match out of Shane because Owen's is a brawler. He's not a technical wrestler or a high flyer like AJ Styles. So... Uh, to me, this is a much better matchup on paper. Yep. Agreed. And, you know, uh, we've got two weeks left before the pay-per-view. So, yeah, it should be very, very interesting to see. Well, two and... weeks left before No Mercy. We've got quite a bit. Oh, before. yes, that's right. Yep. yep. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. No, that's right. No Mercy is, is the next one, yeah. not, uh, not Hell in a Cell. So, yeah. Obviously, yeah, I think that this will probably be Hell in a Cell, but... Yeah, like 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 you said. I mean, putting Shane in another Hell in a Cell. Yeah, you know, Owens is a lot more mobile, but yeah, it's. I mean, what else are you gonna do? So, all right, I guess with that, we're going to head on over to the news desk. <laughs> All right, leading off the news this week, we've got several uh, GFW-related things that have gone on in the last week or so. And let's start with the fact that GFW announced this week that Jeff Jarrett is taking an indefinite leave of absence from the company to focus on, quote, personal matters. It was noted in the announcement that Jarrett will be available to the company on a consultative basis as needed. The decision on Jarrett taking time off was made just hours before GFW posted the announcement on their website as Jarrett posted an optimistic early morning tweet that indicated he knew nothing of the leave that was to be announced. PW Insider reports that Anthem's Ed Nordham made the decision and that he personally met with Jarrett in Nashville, Tennessee. Regarding what led to the leave, the feeling is that the unhappiness with Jarrett involving his erratic behavior was a driving factor in Nordham's decision. It appears they were not unhappy with the company's creative direction with Jarrett as chief creative officer. The situation had been building for months, and the final tipping point was AAA's Triple Mania event in Mexico in late August. Jarrett, who recently put on weight, was not in the best shape for the event and apparently stumbled down the ring steps right before wrestling in a battle royal for just a few minutes. He also... Took a while getting to the ring. Jarrett represented GFW in the match along with Moose Bobby, and Bobby Lashley and was reportedly heckling fans and throwing tortillas into the crowd, which has actually somewhat fit his gimmick in Mexico, but still had people talking. Jarrett's condition at Triple Mania led a lot of people wondering if he needed time off. Nordham witnessed the behavior as he was in attendance for the show. There was also an incident at a GFW TV taping several months back where Jarrett was yelling at Bob Ryder, and that incident is said to be the beginning of the problems that led to Nordham's decision. 
One source noted to PW Insider that the situation is, quote, far uglier than anyone realized. Another source noted to PW Insider that Jarrett was, quote, not blameless, but that there was also blame to be thrown in all directions of the company. The same source claimed that a lot of the things Jarrett had been publicly criticized for were just him towing the company line and following his marching orders out of loyalty to Anthem after they brought him back into the company, including when he defended Anthem in the beef with the Hardys. There's been a feeling among some that Jarrett has been trying hard to step in between Nordham and the wrestling side of the company due to the belief among many that Nordham didn't, quote, get the business. One source pointed out that the company put effort into bringing Alberto El Patron in as a surprise for his debut, only to have Nordham tweet a photo of Patron before he came out, spoiling the surprise. The source admitted that Jarrett needed a break, but noted that Jarrett had been bending over backwards to try and balance things between Anthem and GFW, adding that Jarrett, quote, desperately wanted his company back and wanted to prove to everyone that he was right all along with his vision. PW Insider also adds that no decision has been made regarding creative changes in the wrestling team, which Jarrett put together, and still includes Scott Demore and Dutch Mantel. Jim Cornette is also still with the company as of this writing, and there is speculation that Big John Gaborik, who still works with the company as a consultant, was retained as a backup plan in case the Jarrett regime did not work out. On a related note, a source reported to PW Insider that GFW Anthem merger was nowhere near as completed as they have touted publicly. Trademarks for Global Force Wrestling and GFW are still under the ownership of Global Force Wrestling LLC that Jarrett launched in 2014. It's possible that the GFW letters will disappear from Impact Wrestling if Jarrett doesn't return to the company for some reason. It was also reported that Alberto El Patron's status with the company is up in the air as Nordham was willing to let him go after the Orlando airport incident with Page in July. Jarrett was hands-on in calming the situation, and now that Jarrett is gone and Patron reportedly has less than a year left on his deal, the planned return at the next set of tapings may be off. It's been discussed that Jarrett versus Patron was the plan for for the Bound for Glory pay-per-view in November, but that match is probably not happening now. Oh, shucks. (laughs) After Jarrett took his indefinite leave of absence, chief creative officer, as chief creative officer to focus on his, quote, personal matters, Sports Illustrated's Justin Barrasso reports that GFW's parent company, Anthem Sports and Entertainment, is ready to withdraw itself from the wrestling industry and sell GFW. Barrasso states that GFW is, quote, hemorrhaging funds and Anthem needed to, quote, gut the fight network just to finance GFW. It was reported earlier this year that Anthem acquired the company after GFW's merger with TNA Impact Wrestling. Barrasso reports that since Jarrett still technically owns the name of Global Force Wrestling, Anthem would technically be selling Impact Wrestling. PW Insider also reports that multiple meetings were held Tuesday afternoon to discuss the future of GFW. Members of the roster were called to reassure them of the company's stability in the wake of Jarrett's announcement. But with the latest reports, it seems that Anthem is looking for suitors to get rid of GFW. Barrasso reports that among the potential suitors are WWE, Ring of Honor, and former TNA investor Billy Corrigan, also the current NWA owner. So now it'll be NWA Impact. Um, It all comes full circle. Exactly. Despite the chaos, GFW held a conference call later in the week and announced plans to launch a global wrestling network, a multi-platform digital service designed to give fans around the world instant 24-hour access to the extensive GFW and Impact libraries. Plans to launch Impact Wrestling Channel on Pluto TV as a 24-hour live feed of content on the landing free over-the-top <coughs> sorry, excuse me, television service in the U.S. An extension with Pop TV in the U.S. to continue airing its flagship weekly show Impact on Thursday nights, 
and a new distribution deal with Seven Sports, the sport business unit of Pro Sabin Sat One Group, to bring Impact back to screens in Germany, Australia, Switzerland via Von Fighting, Iran Fighting. So that's a lot of stuff to go over. GFW, as per usual, Impact Wrestling, as per usual, in a complete state of flux. Uh, it seems like it, no matter it's the same story, no matter who takes control. Uh, Troy, how long do you think this thing can, can go? <clears throat> I would have said three years ago this company was done. So the fact that it still exists. Um, it's it's closer, though, because they don't have the money from the panda. And now apparently they don't have the money from the owl. So they're running out of animals to shake down for some, for some cash. Um, you know... Fucking Jeff Jarrett is 50. I didn't realize he was still wrestling, and he probably shouldn't be. <laughs> so I think in terms, I think GFW could potentially go back to being um, uh, Jeff Jarrett's uh, virtual federation on his computer. <laughs> uh, or or what, you know, when he, when he busts out his action figures and creates title matches there. Uh, Impact Wrestling still has the TV deal. And until they lose that TV deal, they're probably going to still exist. So, but I could definitely see them turning around, selling the company, or even gutting it, uh, which is a shame because we say it every time they have some really good talent there. Mm-hmm. You know, we we listed off a couple before, and if if they go under, I don't think that whatever the fuck network is currently carrying them is going to fill that with another wrestling show. Mm-hmm. And that sucks because there are, are some good wrestling promotions that would be great on TV. Um, There's some great talents and impact who will be very negatively impacted by this too. Yeah, very much so. Um, you know, there's there's a couple of people who, you know, I mean, is Trevor Lee really going to, you know, do well if, if, if impact goes away? I don't know. I mean, at this point, Bobby Lashley, he, there's not many indie promotions that are going to pay that dude that much money to come in there. Uh, I think Lashley you know, could I mean, always go back to WWE, though. I think there's be a place for him there. Yeah, I could, I could see that. But yeah, there's a lot of other guys who have already burned those bridges, um, or, or you know, even signing with with uh, GFW have burned some bridges. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, it's you know, who gives a shit about Jeff Jarrett? What happens with him? Who gives a shit what happens with Anthem Sports? What we in the rundown care about is is the workers. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole bunch of production guys who lose their job. Yep. That's a whole bunch of behind-the-scenes guys. you know. And there's a bunch of younger wrestlers who lose an opportunity to get some TV time. Uh, you know, as well, get their name out there a little bit more, make a little money, money from on the, you know, We don't want to see this, play, this thing go under, even though it is a shit show. Um, and their booking is terrible, and they keep making dumb fucking choices with who runs the company, you know? Mm. Fucking Jeff Jarrett's not the answer, and don't bring back Vince Russo. Don't have fucking Jim Cornette come in there, because that's not what you want to do. God damn! Uh, <laughs> don't have fucking uh, Pritchard. He ain't the answer either, you know? it's You you need to take this in a whole different different direction, honestly. You know, who's, you, know, you know who's been the most successful with TNA, as far as I'm concerned? Who's that? Billy fucking Corgan. Yeah, no shit. The guy they <laughs> didn't want to take the company. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, to me, that's the the only time they had really anything. That was when the Broken Hardies. That was when Decay was was on the top of their game. They had everything going in their in the right direction, and then they were just mm-hmm. like, "Oh, well, we're fucking broke again, so we need to sell to somebody." Oh no, let's not sell to the Corrigan because you know he's actually doing a good job. But it's just the whole thing's been a shit show. Uh, Nordum's been a giant prick since taking over. Um, Rebby Sky, if you if you uh, want to go follow her on Twitter. Uh, something to the extent of, wow, I fucking owned that owl. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, just tweeting all sorts of things. Very happy at the demise. Uh, Shane Helms, what was it? K-A-R-R-M-A-A. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people who were really pissed off at the way Jeff Jarrett ran things when he came back. Uh, all too happy to see this thing happen. So, yeah. But like, like we said, fuck those guys. Because it, what really, really sucks is the... the you know, smaller people involved in it. Um, a guy who's who's definitely not that small is Jeff Jarrett is listed at two hundred and thirty five pounds. I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. That is this week's edition of how much does this guy weigh? <laughs> I was working. I was trying to work it in. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Big dog. Uh, JBL announced Friday night via Twitter that he's stepping away from his weekly broadcasting role on SmackDown Live to dedicate more time to at risk youth and communities in Bermuda. He will continue fucking him in the ass. And fuck American communities. Uh, he will continue mm. his relationship with WWE by appearing on marquee events such as Tribute to the Troops and WrestleMania. Because, ladies and gentlemen, even the announcers come back to take spots away from young talent. Um, according to a report by Justin Barrasso of Sports Illustrated, this was planned out far in advance, even before the bullying accusations with Mauro Ronaldo came to light. His decision to leave began 11 months ago when his contract expired last October. At that point, he put in his notice with the company. Barrasso noted, despite pressure from some of WWE's board of directors, Vince McMahon refused to fire JBL during Ronaldo's exit, expecting that the story would eventually die down. And he was correct. Uh, while JBL was mm-hmm. never punished for any of the alleged actions related to this bulleting story, WWE was able to work things out with Ronaldo, bringing him back into the fold in June as the lead NXT announcer. Another reason for JBL's departure was the travel. Despite WWE wanting to bring him in on Sunday before SmackDown Live, JBL began changing his travel day to Tuesday so he would arrive just in time for his duties related to commentating and was then able to do this for two months before being confronted about it. WWE policy is to have everyone in town the night before a television event so that there is no last-minute issues, which meant that he had to be there Monday. Living in Bermuda, however, meant JBL had to fly on Sunday night to ensure that his connecting flights could get him to town the night before. Showing signs of simply being burned out from the travel, it was again noted that JBL's exit was his own decision. Uh, Are you going to miss JBL on SmackDown, Troy? Fuck no. Okay, didn't think so. Uh, Baron Corbin unsuccessfully cashed in his money in the bank briefcase and then then quickly losing to John Cena at SummerSlam had a lot of fans speculating on if he had backstage heat with company officials. Word now is that Corbin likely picked up heat after an incident at a talent meeting during the first week of August, according to PW Insider. There had been speculation that Corbin's heat was over a Twitter incident, but that is not said to be the case as officials actually want their talent to be more interactive on social media. Regarding the incident in early August, Dr. Joseph Maroon had been brought in to talk with the roster about the importance of concussion-related injuries and why talent should immediately report injuries to WWE officials. During the meeting, Maroon reportedly brought up a recent study on deceased NFL players who had been diagnosed with CTE post-mortem. The way Maroon talked about the study reportedly, quote, downplayed it as being solid proof that anyone who played football would then develop CTE. 
Corbin, who played college football before a brief NFL career from 2009 to 2011, reportedly cut Maroon off and expressed an opinion that challenged the doctor. Multiple sources noted how Corbin argued that there would always be some form of head trauma as football helmets are constantly cracking against each other during every play. Corbin also mentioned how he is part of a concussion-related lawsuit against the NFL and that he knew Maroon was against CTE. Corbin was apparently referring to how Maroon was portrayed in the 2015 concussion movie starring Will Smith. This led to Maroon stating during the meeting that his depiction in the movie was incorrect. This would not be the first time that Maroon was forced to address his depiction in that movie. Maroon did agree with Corbin that CTE was a problem, but he was trying to make the point that the study did not mean 99% of NFL players had CTE, noting that people who have put things into proper perspective... Uh, Maroon, Corbin and Maroon ended up going back and forth for several minutes as Corbin disagreed with Maroon's opinion. The incident between Corbin and Maroon was described as awkward, quote, time standing still and an awkward moment that led to awkward laughter. It's also noted that this was not a case of Corbin being belligerent or yelling at Maroon, but a situation where, his ex- where he was expressing his opinions at the wrong place and the wrong time. There's a feeling among one source that Corbin would have been better off pulling Maroon to the side for a private discussion after the meeting so it would not take away from the matter at hand. There was also a feeling that Corbin hurt the flow of the meeting and took away from the importance of talent health by making a discussion about previous comments Maroon has made on the NFL, which put Maroon in a defensive position instead of educating. With that said, there were a few talents who were impressed by Corbin speaking out. While there's no confirmation that this incident forced officials to put the brakes on Corbin's push, the feeling among multiple insiders is that if anything, it led to a delayed push, this was it. PW Insider also points to Corbin remaining in the SmackDown main event scene, an indication that Maroon's incident isn't bringing any long-term lasting damage for Corbin. Um, Maroon's the guy who's keeping Daniel Bryan out of the ring. So obviously he takes concussions at least somewhat seriously, right? Uh, I mean, does he take them seriously um, to an extent? And I, I guess the, the biggest problem here is I don't know why he is bringing up the NFL thing. It's It seemed a little like the guy's obviously defensive because of, yeah, he had a bad time in the NFL because he was one of those guys who was like, no, CT is not that big of a problem in the NFL. So I'm not sure exactly why he was trying to bring it up, but here's the thing is they're still inconsistent in terms of like their head trauma because Randy Orton got his face fucking crushed in and was, was in a match like the next, the next week. And you know, we've seen it before that if you get a concussion in the WWE, you get your push taken away from you. So that's going to lead some guys to be like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm fine. You know, and you've still got that kind of old school mentality. Uh, it's a little ridiculous that, you know, Corbin's being punished for having a different opinion. But yeah, maybe he didn't, didn't uh, you know, handle himself properly. That might be, but, you know... I don't know. We we didn't we didn't we weren't there. We didn't we don't know what was talked about. We don't know how it was, but you know, this is the same guy that was already under fire due to the whole CM Punk blow up. Uh already under fire because of the Daniel Bryan thing because fans, you know, think the opposite that he's being too harsh on him, but and then will think that he was, you know, not taking CM Punk seriously enough. So the guy can't win. <laughs> 
<laughs> which is kind of sad because yeah i mean what is he supposed to do at this point um you know he was trying i guess he was kind of going about it wrong too because you can't sit there and be like look if you've got a concussion come talk to me uh but that whole like nfl thing this 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 thing doesn't mean that 99 percent of nfl players have concussions no just 99 percent of the dead people <laughs> in the nfl have concussions why are you bringing up why are you counteracting your point you're you're like here's my point concussions are a problem come talk to me uh, uh on that note concussions aren't that big of a problem nfl players are pussies <laughs> <laughs> like you're going about that the wrong way bro so i don't think that i don't it's another one of those cases where neither guy sounds like they were in the right here yeah it's as usual it's often you know one guy or another but somewhere in the middle they're both being assholes um it was announced this week that former ring of honor star and new england independent star donovan dijak has officially arrived at the wwe performance center in orlando to begin training for the company uh it has been noted that dijak was set to work his last indie dates this past weekend after recently relocating to florida uh, on a personal note, I was fortunate enough to work with Dijak when he was just kind of starting out in APW, uh, when he was the Yugoslavian nobleman. Uh, and he's a great guy, tremendous talent, deserves everything he gets, and I can't be happier for him. Uh, also, you got to wonder, maybe former Ring of Honor guy, maybe he eventually aligns himself with uh, Adam Cole and Red Dragon. Is he black? Dijak? No. Why do I think Dijak is black? I don't know. Weird. Jack's never been black as far as I know. He's a he's a big motherfucker. Though, he right? is huge, yes. He's about my size and he does moonsaults and shit, so incredibly so athletic. So he's not your size. <laughs> what do you mean? He's as big as you are wide. I I will I'll compare waistlines with you anytime you want, sir. All right. All right. <laughs> well, the only thing I can compare is what's what's lower than that. Big dog. <laughs> so so what you're saying is, so what you're saying is, Donovan Dijak, six foot seven motherfucker, two hundred seventy pounds, and Jason, six foot seven motherfucker, two hundred sixty nine pounds. No, probably about two eighty. So, oh, you're bigger than him. Sure. You go yeah. look at the shape that guy's in. I'll take ten pounds heavier. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so that was that was part two of how much does this guy weigh? Yeah. <laughs> Featuring your hosts. By the <laughs> way, I'm assuming that ten extra pounds is all penis anyway, because you know. Oh, yeah, that's true. Big dog. <laughs> big dog. Uh, <laughs> Nikki Bella is temporarily hanging up her wrestling boots for ballroom dancing shoes as she officially has joined the celebrity competitors on season 25 of Dancing with the Stars. Nikki will waltz into the ballroom with professional partner Artem, and I'm not even going to try to say this last name, who will also be dancing for his first mirror ball trophy. The official cast announcement was made Wednesday on Good Morning America. While Artem said that he hasn't experienced a Bella Buster yet, Nikki hasn't ruled it out, saying, quote, I try to fight him every rehearsal. Uh, the show premieres Monday, September 18th at 8 p.m. on ABC. Season 25 celebrity cast also includes former NFL star Terrell Owens, Barbara Corcoran of Shark Tank, actor Frankie Munez, and married entertainment personalities Nick and Vanessa Lachey. Uh, the Bella Twin is the third WWE superstar to compete on Dancing with the Stars. Chris Jericho competed in season 12 in 2011 and was eliminated fifth out of the 11 contestants. Stacey Keebler competed in season two in 2006 and placed third. So 
Is the presence of Nikki Bella on Dancing with the Stars enough to compel you to watch the show, Troy? I didn't even watch when Chris Jericho was on. So that should tell you what she did know. Okay. And lastly, since The Undertaker's loss to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 33, Vince McMahon has told WWE announcers on multiple occasions to not reference the dead man too often. However, in recent weeks, there has been a reversal, and McMahon has told the announce team that it's now okay to acknowledge The Undertaker when it's called for. Roman Reigns has been drawing Undertaker chants from crowds aiming to taunt him, and it's clear that while The Undertaker is gone for now, he has not been forgotten. There's more to this story, though, as McMahon's directives to the announcers were not simply done out of the blue. In recent weeks, there has been communication between McMahon and The Undertaker that leads Vince to believe The Undertaker would consider wrestling at WrestleMania next year at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. While it's not a foregone conclusion, all previous conversations since WrestleMania 33 had left McMahon feeling that The Undertaker would never wrestle again until recently. McMahon now feels like The Undertaker is leaving the door open for a return. For this reason, those close to Vince are convinced it can't be a coincidence that he had a change of heart in terms of The Undertaker being mentioned on television. And an interesting note to tie this together... Uh, we talked recently about why are we doing this? Why are we having Cena and Reigns now instead of saving that for a WrestleMania-type match? Maybe WrestleMania is already booked with Cena and The Undertaker. Dun, dun, dun. Would you be interested in seeing another Undertaker match at WrestleMania this year? No. After the After the ending... Of what we got at WrestleMania? No. I don't ever want to see him at a WrestleMania game. Okay, but let's post this theory. Perhaps that was the result of the bad hip surgery that he needed to have that he had afterwards, and now he's healed up and he's ready to go, and maybe you get a little bit better effort out of The Undertaker this time around. I don't care about the effort. What I care about is the visual of him retiring. Okay. And that then that was great. I, I don't need to see him come back to the ring again and then attempt another like retirement whole thing. It just it it that felt like such a great ending to his story was I'm gonna I'm gonna put my my hat and my jacket in the middle of the ring I'm going to descend into the depths of hell or you know the fucking snack room underneath the, the <laughs> arena there and that was great so do I want to see you got to remember this is me I've never been I've I've never been a huge fan of his matches me neither. But I think that that was a perfect ending to his career, and I don't I don't want to see I don't want to see him Ric Flair this shit, Fair you know, enough. or Mick Foley this shit. So I think just be done with it. All right, and last to close it out, just you mentioned him a second ago. Big uh, good thoughts to Ric Flair who posted a video message to the social medias this weekend. Uh, basically saying that he's back, he's healthy, he's he's on his way back to the road to recovery, feeling good and looking back, looking to get ready to see the fans sooner than they would think, uh, and did all this while wearing a shirt that said, I ain't dead yet, motherfuckers, uh, which apparently he's going to start selling. So good on Rick, happy to see the Nature Boy recovering, and uh, maybe we'll get to see him just walk that aisle, style and profile one more time, because you never know when an authority figure will be needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just don't get back in the ring, dude. Agreed. I think that <laughs> ship has sailed. Yeah. And that is going to do it for the news desk on this edition of The Rundown. All right. Let's get in 
to some plugs. All right, Jason. Yeah. What's going on at Liberty States Wrestling? Well, Liberty States Wrestling presents Heard You Missed Us. We're back on Saturday, September 9th. That is this coming Saturday from the John E. McCarthy Elementary School in Peabody, Massachusetts. The main event, the Liberty States Heavyweight Wrestling Championship, will be defended as Christian Casanova puts the belt on the line against Dynamite Danny Miles. That is two tremendous competitors in New England vying for that championship. You don't want to miss that. We're also going to see Todd Sopel as he defends the No Limits title in an open challenge. The debut of Mike Russell as he takes on fabulous Johnny Vegas. Brett Domino will face D.L. Hurst in an NEPWA showcase match. Setherin versus the selfie-made man Vern Vicalo. Also appealing Ilya, appearing Ilya Markopoulos, Robo the Punjabi Lion, the clinic Chris James, and many more. Tickets are just $10 general admission. Doors open at 6.30 p.m. with a bell time of 7. For more information, go to LibertyStatesWrestling.com. And Troy... Would it be too yes. corny to say that there's things brewing in Brew City Wrestling? Uh, nothing's too corny when your event's named Fall <laughs> Frenzy. <laughs> On Friday, September 15th at the Columbus Club of West Dallas. Bell time is 7.30. Doors open at 6.45. Tickets are $20 reserved. Front row. Make sure you get spit on by Sierra. $18 <laughs> general admission at the door. And $16 presale at www.brewcitywrestling1.com. Tickets go on. Uh, tickets are on sale now. Then you can join us at the Slurp and Burp Funhouse after the sh- after the the show for a party celebration with the stars of Bruce City Wrestling. Already <sighs> booked, and I did not uh, look to update this, so I am sorry if there was something else booked. But uh, so far, the Bruce City Wrestling Women's Championship is on the line as Evil Sierra takes on Tess Valentine. And the main event, it's franchise versus franchise. As the BCW franchise, Evil Dis, as in dysfunction, <laughs> that's how it's called, will take on the franchise Shane Douglas. More info coming soon. Follow them on Twitter at BCW Fandemonium or at BCW1. For more information or go to BrewCityWrestling1.com for your ticket and information. All right. Jason? And- if you're also in the New England area, I want to encourage you to come out to the Boys and Girls Club of Lower Merrimack Valley on September 30th as Atlantic Pro Wrestling returns with another great night of wrestling action. Our main event, the annual Gil Bonk Invitational 20-Man Wrestle Royal. Two participants start every 90 seconds. Another competitor enters the ring. Eliminations can happen via pinfall submission or by tossing someone over the top rope and both he- feet hitting the floor. The winner of the Wrestle Royal receives a championship match of their choosing at any time they wish. We did have big news this week as we announced the first two participants as Dynamite Danny Miles makes his APW return for the Wrestle Royal and his a- and the APW debut of Robo the Punjabi Lion. All of that September 30th, Atlantic Pro Wrestling, the Boys and Girls Club of Lower Merrimack Valley. Then, if you're interested in some other New England wrestling, you can go to check out Lucky Pro Wrestling as they present... Hey, get this! Fall Frenzy! And a uh, quick shout-out to our boy Chris over at uh, Lucky Pro who pointed out that they've had this name for four years, so he's he he's, wants to point out they're not borrowing it from any other promotions. Um, that is Saturday, October 14th from the Elks Hall in Clinton, Massachusetts. Already signed for the first time ever, the LPW Tag Titles will be on the line in the last team standing match. The Aristocrats, Tomahawk and Zachary Pierre Ballou, defend against the heavy hitters. And this is the hitters' last chance at the Tag Team Gold in LPW. If they lose this match, they will never, 
ever, 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 ever get another title shot again. Uh, Riot, Kellen Thomas is going to take on Big Jim Anderson. Also announced Brick Mass Stone going to defend the Hard Knocks Championship against Cam Zagami and the return of the fan favorite Halloween Battle Royal. Davian will defend her LPW Women's Championship in a four-way against Delmi Exo, Adira, and Isana. And lastly, but not least, of course, Tyler Nitro will take on Machado, accompanied by Taylor Hendricks in a National Pro Wrestling League showcase match. Troy, I know you're a big fan of Taylor Hendricks. I'm a big fan of gigantic tits. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I guess I could not worry about trying to get her on the rundown sit down. (laughs) Aw, I'm sorry. She wouldn't have done it anyways. She might have. That does it for this, the rundown. Thursday, September 7th, 2017. It has been 64 days since Ethan Carter III won the Impact Global Championship. Are you shitting me with this? (laughs) (laughs) Go to audibletrial.com slash rundown for a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial. Go pick up, I don't know, Chris Jericho's book? Sure. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown do Podcast. They, do you know if they have uh, Chasing Distant Horizons on Audible? Sadly, they do not, because I don't even know why I bother saying anything to Andy, because he doesn't listen to the show. But somebody, anybody, reach out to Andrew Lister and tell him, send Troy a copy of Chasing Distant Horizons so he can record that shit and we can provide an audiobook so that we can actually plug his audiobook in this little section of the closing. Didn't you already have a copy of it? Weren't you the one that had like a hard copy? It, it was next to my toilet and got water on it. Oh, uh, <laughs> happens. <laughs> yeah. Email the show, because nobody does. Rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail. 617-863-6967. That's, rundown, or that's 61 rundown 7. Be like Sal. <laughs> Said no one ever. follow us on facebook by the way sal judging by the score of the game you'd have been better off just coming on the show this week i'm just saying yeah fuck the patriots uh facebook.com slash rundown wrestling youtube.com slash rundown podcast to see all the archives and to never see us again on there (laughs) uh go to temporarily we might be back you never know that's true that's true nobody needs to look at our faces anyway let's be honest that is true Go to paypal.me slash rundownwrestling and donate two cents and make sure your note says pay those motherfuckers who are actually on the show. (laughs) Hey, Jason. Yes. Considering your issues that you were having last week. Yes. How's the the asshole? Oh, my asshole's feeling much, much better this week. And you know what helped me the most, Troy? What's that? I went to tinyurl.com slash Distant Horizons and ordered my copy of Chasing Distant Horizons. Cleared me right out. Everything's A-OK now. See, that was my issue because I was going to bigdog.com <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't working out that well. What do you get if you go to bigdog.com? I got, I'm curious. Oh, let's find yeah. out. Let's take a, take a break of what we're doing. Go right, well, you look that up. Allow me to do this. Uh, you should check out all of our sister shows on the Questionable Endeavor Network, including Shadowvane at shadowvane.net. Also, patreon.com slash shadowvane. Tuning Japanese on iTunes and Stitcher. 
patreon.com slash tuning japanese you know these fuckers can tell everyone else where to donate on their own show to their show we'll just plug the shows uh raw attitude podcast on itunes and stitcher and soundcloud troy's baby the slasher sanitarium on itunes and stitcher new episodes coming hopefully next week okay looking forward to that uh, he has Patreon at patreon.com slash slasher podcast. The Pwn Stars on iTunes and Podomatic. The New Blood Rising on iTunes. Words of Geekdom on iTunes and Stitcher. You can follow the network on Twitter at, at questnetwork or visit questnetwork.com. We encourage you to go check out our Discord channel and listen to our friends, the Kingpin Brian Malonis and Mike Crockett on the wrestling podcast about nothing twice a week. You can check them out on facebook.com slash the WP. P-A-N. Did an episode to drop this week regarding the worst tag teams of all time. I'm looking forward to hearing who they pick for that list because there are a couple suggestions I could drop in there. Uh, search for us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, or Podomatic under the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Uh, we have some iTunes reviews. We'd like it if you would give us some five stars preferably because it helps other people find the show. So if you go to BigDog.com, it redirects you to BigDogs.com, which is the Big Dog Sportswear Company. Oh, so, that's sort of a letdown. Yeah, not as the, the shirts are kind of nice though, and they have boxer boxer shorts that say "Big Bowls" on it. There you go. Well, that's sort of so, big dog in it. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, although we did say Roman Reigns has no balls. So, well, no, Cena said that. Oh, that's true. That's true. But we we re- reiterated it. Didn't Thanks didn't agree to, with it though. That's true. That's true. We didn't agree, but we definitely brought brought it to light. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks. To Jason's lovely wife for saying the show is shit. <laughs> well, you know what, Troy? If, if this ends up being our last live broadcast on Twitter, on Facebook, I'm sorry. Let's just take a quick second to thank the people throughout the history that have contributed on the side that I can think of off the top of my head. Kenny Lockhart, Mike Smathers, uh, my wife, of course. My son Jackson has been on there. We've had Chris from LPW's popped in there. We've had, I'm forgetting, a bunch of people. Um, Kogos Sean. Kogo Sean, we've had my cousin, we've had myself, we've had you, uh, we have had some random people, we have had some spam, we have had some foreigners, uh, we've had some people who didn't know what the fuck they were getting into oh, f- and just randomly ran across us. I forgot about the spam bot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Sup, dog. <laughs> um, yeah. We have ha- had a tremendous amount of different listeners, uh, some of which started off as commenters on the side and then joined the show, such as myself such as sale and yeah um the seller actually you, joined so, the show I, it sort of feels like he's no. not frequent enough to be qualified as joined the show i guess you could put it that way <laughs> uh but yeah thank you to everybody who ever contributed to the rundown wrestling podcast and if you want to contribute please like i said don't go to go to youtube go instead to questionnetwork.com or to our facebook or twitter or or, or email us and be a part of the show. And just subscribe and download the podcast. Hell, honestly, even if you don't listen to it, the download numbers still help us. So just download it and then delete it if you prefer. To be completely honest, we'd love for you to listen to it, but at least help us out with a download. Very much so, very much so. Well, thank you, Jason. Thank you, Troy, and I'm looking forward to uh, next week going audio only so, you know, you know nobody has to look at us. There you go. There I, you won't go. Feel, I won't feel the need. I can actually do the whole thing in my underwear and nobody will notice. Sweet, awesome, big dog. Thanks in it. to Ray. There you, big dog in it. Yeah. Thanks to Ray Williams for the logo. Thanks to Jason for our new theme song. 
and next week we'll bring you a review of the Mae Young Classic as well as a review didn't, of the Week in Wrestling. Didn't we already do that this week? The Mae Young Classic finale. Okay. Well, you have to actually watch the other Mae Young Classics first. I you, know, whole, you got one week to get like all eight episodes plus the finals down. You kind of put yourself in a tough spot here, Kurt. Yeah, I fast forward a lot. <laughs> How do you do that while you're jerking off? I need one hand to jerk off. Yeah, but how do you get any rhythm going when you fast forward and... I, I, yeah, I just gotta... As soon as I see Ky- Kyrie Sane's entrance, stop. You like pirates, do you? I like ass pirates. Okay. I feel like we learned something about you this week, right? I feel like you learned something about every week. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of it is stuff that you probably don't <laughs> See you next week. See you next. Well, no, we won't see you next Thursday, but uh, you can listen to us. That's right. I have to change that now. Shit. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created by Adam Salzer, and this week was produced and edited by Jason Stewart. The show was hosted by Jason Stewart and Troy Bozen. We are a proud charter member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Check out all our shows, including our other wrestling shows, the Raw Attitude Podcast and the New Blood Rising Podcast, plus articles, Twitch streams, and more at questandnetwork.com. And tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast.